Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pixelist Podcast, the podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. I'm Will, that's Blake. Tonight we're here to talk about some Critical Role, baby. That's right, it's a little evening sesh. That's right. I'm bringing a lot of, I'm bringing a lot of energy, maybe I should dial it back, I don't know. Honestly, I'm bringing a lot of energy too. This is, this is Critical or. <laughs> I guess it is Critical Role, but this is the Pixelists After Dark, is what I meant to say. And uh, I just I just kept you on a little bit of a, a cliffhanger. I was like, well, let me just say this once we start the pod. And uh, what I was going to tell you was, even though it's real late, I've got a lot of energy because I made a very big mistake. I had a cup of coffee like an hour and a half ago. It was it was not Why? wise. Why? Why? Because I made one and I forgot <laughs> and yeah. it was just sitting there. And I, so I made it an iced coffee, but I was like, man, I should just dump this out, mm-hmm. but I'm going to drink it. And uh, so, yeah, now it's almost 10 PM and I'm like wired. So I got that. Yeah, going for I, uh, me. <laughs> I had a second cup of coffee today, which I typically don't have a second cup. Mine was like around two o'clock. So, and I had yeah, to get. We had D&D tonight, so I had to get energized for D&D. Yeah, our Blake's coming straight off the sesh. I already I already yeah. asked how it went, so this but how would it go for the for the people out there that may want to know? I don't know. You guys who play D&D, you know, I think sometimes especially if you DM, sometimes you have a session where you just aren't quite sure how it went in the sense of like you're like, yeah, it was good, but like we actually, as we ended the session, like everyone was pretty like visibly, not just visibly, they were basically saying like, what do we, it's like, what do we, they're in this like kind of precarious situation where they have to talk to someone who knows about them, but doesn't know that they are them. Um, like they know the reputation of their group, but they right. don't know that their group is, is the group and it's someone that they have to be a bit careful with. And so they're like, ah, like, how do we navigate this? And then we actually got to the point where I was kind of just like, like, y'all tell me like, what is it? What is it you're wanting to happen? Because like, I could lead you, I guess, but there's so many different angles. You know what I mean? So like it were, the session kind of ended in a bit of an awkward place where it was like, so what do we do? You know? And I was like, let me know. And then I'll, you know, plan accordingly, I guess. So are they the type to like have a group chat and discuss like between sessions or not really sometimes sometimes and they're not they're also not very fortunately not really like chaos demons in (laughs) in the session either so (laughs) and we've been playing for two years this fall so i have a pretty good idea of like how they operate Um, yeah so well you know um let's how do i put this i'm sure that none of that reflects on your DMing. Not that you were worried about that, but like, you know, that's just normal. I think for, especially people that are, I know you just said you've been playing for two years, but basically everyone at your table, this is like their first time playing. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think like, especially for inexperienced players in that regard, they just have that analysis paralysis. I mean, freaking CR has it almost. (laughs) Yeah. I think the other part of it too, is they're in like the capital city. It's like the biggest city they've ever been in. And so naturally there's like, 
it's rife with opportunity. Yeah. It's like, you could go here, you could do this. And, um, I think good advice is you don't just give like a blank canvas and you're like, Hey, just do whatever you want. But you kind of like help them see like some opportunities. So I've been trying to, yeah, yeah. So I've been trying to figure out what is most compelling for them. Um, and I basically asked, I was like, Hey, it's like, what do you kind of envision accomplishing in the near future? Um, that kind of feeds what, you know, how I plan things, I guess. So. And if they lollygag too much, you can just hit them with the Chroma Conclave, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Tear down your city. Yeah. Um, But it's good I asked, though, because one person was like, I want to go shopping. And I was like, okay. Yeah, that's good to know. So. Gotta love a good shopping episode here and there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Anywho. Well, nice, man. I'm glad it uh, it went well. Thanks for asking. Yeah. It's crazy that you guys uh, are two years deep. That's like achievement unlocked. I'm sure that most of our listeners can relate to too, of that being a, an accomplishment. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, we've only, you and I, and I'm sure many of us who are listening have been part of those campaigns that it's like, Oh, it's getting so good. And then you never meet again. Yep. yep. <laughs> I actually just thought about our other campaign the other day where we, we like rescheduled so many times that I was like, I I'm a head out. Yeah. And the DM was like, all right, well, I think that does it then, guys. <laughs> so yep. you, can, you can continue, but anyway. Yeah. Um, well, I, if, remind, I don't want to keep sidetracking yeah. our discussion, but remind me about that after because I, I yeah. that reminded me of a story I wanted to tell you. Um, <laughs> it's like 30 minutes later of like <laughs> stories that no one can relate with. <laughs> Remember that one time? <laughs> Classic. Anyway. Uh, but, y'all, tonight, or yeah, tonight, uh, we're here to talk about Critical Role. Um, Mm -hmm. so we've already, um, lollygagged enough, but you know, quick plug as always, we've got worlds beyond number. We've got, uh, the ravening war finale, um, which I'm sad that that's over. We'll talk more Mm -hmm. about that in that episode. Um, uh, and yeah, I guess just those two things and critical role right now. Um, Diablo. Yeah. And Diablo, we still need to talk about that. Um, yeah. All right. But without further ado, let's jump into the main event today, which is Critical Role Episode 62 of Campaign 3. And we are going to jump into our handy dandy recap. And uh, for the uninitiated, we recap every episode, cut that out and host it separately on YouTube. So if you find yourself on that recap right now and you want to see our full discussions, uh, it'll be linked down in the description box below. But so, yes, Episode 62 a long walk of reflection. We pick up with the crew um, following the wind cougar on route to Havestros. And uh, we've got a bit of a, a traveling, um, I guess montage isn't a fair word, but a little traveling section. So uh, per usual, Matt has people roll for the day of travel. And on the first day, um, they uh, step into the Serratus wilderness. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. And uh, Emily Axford rolls uh, a 17, which leads to an uneventful day. Uh, easy travel. Uh, come nighttime, they send all of their many familiars that they have now, uh, Pate, Mother, and Dinios, out to look for a place to camp. And they eventually find one. Um, once there, Bordor scavenges for some berries. Denise kills a rabbit with her bare hands. And uh, <laughs> Ashton asks Orum if he could teach him how to meditate, uh, which Orm does. Uh, so there's a nice little scene here where Orm says, you know, sometimes you just have to take a moment, quiet your mind, and 
you know, stop worrying and just, you know, find yourself. And Ashton says that, yeah, I'm not a big worrier because if you never stop, you never have time to worry. And if you do stop, well, there's always booze and people. So um, Ashton, for the first time, really is taking a moment to kind of think about their situation, what happened to them, the Hishari, everything that's going on right now. And that's why they've decided to try to meditate so that they can kind of recenter. Um, again, like I said, this is a great scene between Orm and Ashton, and both are kind of just talking about their fears right now, but both decide to just focus on getting their friends back as that's kind of one of the only things that they can control right now. Also this night, uh, Prism tries carving some runic magic into Bordor's crossbow. Um, so she carves a fourth level dragon's breath into the bow and this is kind of only possible because of the innate magic of the solstice that's in the air. Uh, we don't know like to what extent, uh, but Matt does say that that's kind of a reason why this is working. Um, Denise actually is the one to go test out the crossbow after she does this. And uh, she shoots an arrow and it basically spews out this cone of fire like um, flamethrower status. Uh, but Matt actually has Emily roll for this. And I, I can't remember what she rolls, but it was kind of low. And uh, because of it, the crossbow actually catches on fire. Um, they're able to put it out and take care of it. But we basically are told that um, she's going to have to roll to do this type of magic. And it might end up destroying whatever it is she's enchanted. Uh, we then have a little bit of a Bordor kind of training montage where the group's hyping them up. They want to see like, hey, test out your new spells that you have. Uh, so they make a little training dummy for him and he, I think, casts Firebolt on it and, you know, disintegrates it essentially. And they're like, well, what else can you do? And uh, Bordor actually asks Ashton, like, hey, do you mind if I, like, touch you? And Ashton's cool with it. Um, so Bordor casts Calm Emotions on Ashton. And Ashton actually feels like some peace uh, for the first time in a while. And so then Bordor uh, casts Calm Emotions on everyone. And uh, then he goes and curls up with the wind cougar as the little spoon to fall asleep for the night. Um, on to the second day, uh, Amy rolls for this day and she actually hits a nat 20. So it's another uneventful, easy travel day. Uh, but because of the nat 20, Matt actually has Amy roll a D6 and she hits a five on this. And because of this, the party in their travels comes across this crater that's um, full of flowers. And after some investigation, they find a petrified skeleton like embedded into the stone here. Um, so the group kind of works together to extract the skull of this skeleton and Prism casts Identify on it, revealing it to be a Githzerai. Um, definitely be talking about this in the discussion. Uh, they also realize that um, this crater kind of impact here should have just like disintegrated any mortal being like this. So there must have been some arcane element that like somehow protected them, even though they're dead to some extent. And that's when they realize there is a ring on the corpse of this uh, skeleton. So they get that. Prism identifies it as well. And it is a ring of volcanic flesh, which basically allows some fire damage to be reduced and also dealt depending on the circumstance. Um, and Ashton takes that for now. Uh, Prism finally gathers that with her investigation that this crater has been here for a very long time, possibly hundreds of years. 
Um, so they move on that night. They find another place to camp. Um, and basically all that happens on this night is Ashton has this pipe that when you smoke it, the smoke forms into like your greatest accomplishment, your proudest achievement. So Ashton gives this to Prism to smoke and she does. And the scene that forms in her smoke is of a young Prism in the shadow realm, basically being this understudy to this mage that visited the shadow realm. And she made herself so indispensable to this mage that they eventually were like, Hey, come back with me to the cobalt soul. And that's how she got started with them. Um, <clears throat> the only other thing during this night is Orum during his watch notices these little wisps and these eyes staring at him from, you know, outside of the campsite. Uh, but they're oddly comforting and they come to realize that these are the spirits and the sprites of the Eidolons basically uh, playfully sharing this space with them. So there's this great moment where Orum kind of like lets go a little bit and dances with these spirits. Um, and he basically notes that, you know, even in these dark times, there still are moments of happiness to be found. On the third day of travel, we have Utkarsh roll a 16. Uh, once again, a nice traveling day. And um, a couple of things that happened during this day is Bordor asks, um, about Imogen and about the rest of the group and how powerful they are. And Laudna briefly explains her history with Imogen and says they're sisters from another mister. Um, Prism then brings up like, hey, you know, I got that scry spell from Abedina. So like, if we want to scry, I can do that. Um, and so they attempt to do another scry on Bordor's um, brother, uh, this time focusing on a sling that he has. So they have a vision, and there's this cabin in this heavily wooded area, uh, but it's empty and dark and kind of looks like it's abandoned. Um, so Bordor wonders if the solstice maybe teleported his brother just like it teleported him, but he is happy that he at least recognizes the house this time. Uh, they then decide, let's save any more scrying for tonight once we're done traveling. So they do just that, finish their day's travel, make camp, uh, and then try to scry on lewdness. But unfortunately, the spell is blocked as he has some sort of arcane protection. That night, uh, Bordor asks Ladna again how strong their friends are and if they could really stop a god. Um, they then talk about lewdness and Pradathos and, you know, are we really going to, you know, try to stop him from doing this? Do we care if the gods go away? This kind of same conversation that, that's happened a few times right. recently. Um, and basically, it boils down to, hey... Alexandria is going to change one way or any other. Um, right. But at the very least, Ludinus should not be the guy making this decision. So we need to right. stop him. Um, Bordor finally says, like, I can't promise I'm going to join you guys for that fight. Like, this sounds dangerous. I just want to find my brother. And Denise is like, I just want to find Dariax. And Orm says, you know, I don't blame you. Um, Bordor then grabs the, the pipe from Ashton, the one with the special smoke, and smokes it. And the vision for him is just the day before uh, when Bordor is practicing on the target dummy and everyone's like real proud of him. Um, <laughs> it's apparently his greatest accomplishment. More on this in the discussion as well. Um, but so everyone then goes to bed, uh, but in the middle of the night, Orum gets up and plants his sword seedling into the ground and kind of prays to the wild mother. He says, you know, I don't know if you can hear him anymore, um, but I hope that you can. And I hope you still have some fight in you because we could really use the help. 
uh, and the rest of the evening goes by without issue. And that takes us into the break. Yeah. So coming back from the break, um, we come back to Denise wanting to roll a sleight of hand check to take something, though we don't know what. Uh, we also know that um, Prism assists her. Uh, Emily basically saying, I think I know what you're doing. Um, and Matt basically goes and gets a whisper um, from Denise on what, what exactly are you trying to do? Um, she is successful, but we're not quite sure what, through what means. Um, but essentially in this back half of this travel, the party continues to follow the cougar, which by the way, is getting cougar names of popular cougars. So every day the cougar has a different <laughs> name, like Susan Sarandon, or, you know, that's the one I can think of. Um, but, um, they're following the cougar. They do come to this place. I think Matt called it the Erium Canyon. Um, and essentially Pate and Denios, Denios are sent off to look for, um, I think at one point they came across the, did you mention the blue flowers earlier or was it in this section? I, I did not. Um, okay. Well, yeah. In general, they're going to be looking for these blue flowers. It's going to come up again. Um, but essentially, uh, there's a great conversation from Pate where, um, there's conversations around Pate and, and Dinios, like, could they be a, a great pair or a great couple or maybe mother, um, uh, would be a great pairing. Um, and even some great back and forth from Pate themselves to Ladna. Um, but essentially they find their way to this Canyon and they have to decide how they're going to get down into the Canyon. The um, cougar, the wind spirit just walks right off and walks down to the base of the canyon in a very wind cougary spirit way. <laughs> um, Ladna basically informs the party like, hey, I can feather fall us to get us down safely, but it's not going to work for all of us unless we want to do it in batches. Um, uh, Prism is going to cast Enlarge on Mother. Uh, it's not the first time she casts Enlarge. She also casts it earlier in this episode to make a fish... Uh, that border catches much larger, um, but casts enlarge on mother and Orm is essentially going to hang glider mother down uh, to the base <laughs> of this Canyon. Um, the party, they make their way to the bottom with some scrapes and a couple of them have a, a couple of owies along the way. Um, I think prison jokes that she rolls both of her ankles and then immediately casts false life on herself to get some of those hit points back. Um, but they eventually come to a large mossy hill and along with a waterfall, um, leading to this, this body of water that sort of splits off into two different paths. Um, the party's immediately suspicious. There's a lot of jokes about playing, um, Breath of the Wild and uh, Tears of the Kingdom specifically. So people are like, I have RPGs on my mind. And so they do check behind the waterfall for anything <laughs> hidden. Uh, they don't find anything. But Prism is going to, I don't remember what she casted exactly, or if it was an, a, a perception check of some kind or investigation, but essentially discovers that there is something interesting happening here not with the waterfall but specifically the hill there's something illusory about this hill in front of them um also uh keep in mind too that denise has a whip of warning it's a magical item that will warn you when there is danger within 30 feet of you and matt describes the whip as warming up 
And essentially they know that they are near danger. Um, and as they even get closer to this hill, it gets a bit stronger, this sensation. So um, Pate is sent to investigate and along the way uh, discovers this cave that has sort of been carved into um, the mountainside uh, that wasn't apparent at first glance. And Ladna looking through um, Pate's eyes sees that there are these runes that are inscribed on the mouth of the cave, um, but it's in primordial. She doesn't speak primordial, so she's not sure what it says. They do find out that Ashton, however, does speak primordial. Uh, the party decides to head towards this cavern. Uh, they cast, uh, Ashton cast Pass Without a Trace, just because they, they know about this whip of warning, letting them know there's something dangerous nearby. They have absolutely insane stealth check rolls. And as they pass by the hill, Matt describes um, like a low groaning of some kind. Like there was something um, about this hill. It's, it's living in some way. But because of their amazing stealth roll, Matt jokes that they make it to the cave without alerting this hill. And he jokes that, you know, there's one encounter we'll never, that we'll never see the light of day, apparently. <laughs> So we don't know what it was, but um, I will say once they get to the mouth of the cave, um, there is Ashton reads the expression. Um, and I don't have it in front of me. I don't know if you have it in front of you. Um, I do have I, it. Let me if, if I, I click I on it, it's going to change my screen. It's going to mess up the recap. Yeah, I so, got it. Um, okay. Within the Verdant tomb, we keep her spirit enduring. Yeah, and they're not sure, Is this? could this be the hill? Is this something deeper in? One thing they do notice within this cavern are these um, bright crystals, these gems that sort of litter the cavern. And Border is actually going to, with a nat 20, pop one off. And it's kind of like, this is kind of cool. Like, what's this for? Prism is going to take it and cast Ray of Frost on it to see like how it kind of works with magical energy. And it immediately refracts the Ray of Frost and um, uh, shoots out in all different directions. Uh, and they're like, you know, wow, should we take more of this? And Denise mentions that she has a some kind of kit where she could, but then she's like, well, we don't know who's here, like who lives here. And they actually talk about like, is this somebody's home? Is this like somebody's place? Uh, to the point where even Bordor says to Ashton, like, hey, in Primordial, can you say that like, hey, we're here? And Ashton's like, hello, we're here. That's it. <laughs> uh, and he says it's in Primordial. But there's no response. As they go deeper into the cave, They um, it appears to be a living area of some kind. However, it's not clear if anyone, it doesn't look like people just like got up and left, but it also doesn't quite look like someone was just there. Uh, they're not sure how long it's been, but at some point, this was a living area of some kind. They go deeper into the cave. They come into this large room with a big green obelisk and more of those gems littering the walls. And they, co they come to realize this is, in fact, residuum that is seemingly growing naturally in this cavern. Well, and I think it's like residuum. I don't know if it... We'll talk about this more, but I don't know okay. if it is residuum. I think... Well, my impression was... They know residuum is refined, but that this is some kind of like naturally occurring yeah. version of it. Yeah. Um, like you said, we can talk about it afterwards. Um, they're looking everything over. Um, Orum, you know, with this incredible perception, 
is looking up towards the ceiling and in the face, uh, in the ceiling among the crystals, uh, he sees a face that smiles or seems to smile. Uh, and that is where the episode ends. Episode 62 of Campaign 3 of Critical Role. And don't forget, if you're watching just our recap, you can check the link for our full discussion down below. Uh, otherwise, we're going to jump on into it. So let's do it. Good job, my friend. Um, good episode, man. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it. I feel like there's a lot to talk about, um, but mainly just didn't happen. Say like, there's a lot, there's a lot to talk about, but also not a lot to like. But I guess there is a lot to deep dive into. Now yeah, I think so, about like, it, like it was a travel episode for the most part, but yeah. we got a lot at the end, and then yeah. there's some very interesting character dynamics going on here. Yes, that yes, I want to talk about. Um, and I forgot to mention in the recap. We'll have to talk about this. Um, whenever I can't remember like the conversation point, but Bordor was doing something or announcing something. I think when he was like announcing his presence in the cave. Um, and Denise was really pushing him on like, where are you from? Where is yeah, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll like, well, that. What's the address of your yeah. house in the Sirius <laughs> Mountains? What street, what street are you from? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. I mean yeah, where did do you want to start there or? Yeah, I guess so. Which there being what the heck's going on with Bordor, man. <laughs> Amy, we know you watched the Pixelists. Yep. We know you saw the dog fact. I'm moving past theory into fact territory. We know you're part of this now. <laughs> you, you, we know you agree. Yeah. If so, you, you want to come on the show and talk about it, we'd love to have you. Yeah, come on. You're doing amazing, by the way. So come on, you know. <laughs> Um, yeah, the party, I love how this is playing out. There's some big, something is going on with board or energy at the table. Yeah, definitely. And obviously we've got the dog theory. You guys are probably tired of hearing me talk about that one, but there's just like a, something's not right energy in like yeah. a, in like a bad way this episode. Which I yes. think Amy was picking up on too. And yes. So to bring people up, if you're just randomly checking out this episode of us, Will a few episodes ago, in a very Pepe Sylvia way, <laughs> had a theory that Bordor was actually a dog, now a human. Um, and there's a lot of great details around it. However, I'm with you. There's something off putting now where. We talked about this early on about is he being purposefully aloof's not the right word. Naive, I yeah, guess. Is it, is it an act? Is it an act? Exactly. And this was the first time that I wondered, I kept being like, ah, he's a dog. But this episode, I was like, okay, hang on. Is it something nefarious? Yeah. Do we have a you situation here? Yeah. And I, <laughs> I actually saw somebody say, and I think this would, I don't think this is what's going on, but I think I thought this was a cool idea that uh Bordor was you. And it was like, because they're a changeling and could, you know, oh. do whatever, like technically another guest could play that same character. And I was like, that's a really cool idea, but I don't think that's what's happening here. Um, well, it's interesting. Clearly here's what doesn't make sense. 
clearly a capable sorcerer in the sense of, you know, has obviously has spell slots, like has these spells. Um, I don't know. I, I just, something's off there. And I, I, but I think about like, why would he lie? Like, why wouldn't he be forthcoming? And I thought, could he be working with lewdness? Like, why would someone not want the group to know who he is? And yeah. the only reason, the only, way, the only answer I can get to is he is in league with someone that the party wouldn't like. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't want to, you know, fully shift my thoughts based on one episode, but I'm, I'm kind of steering away from the dog thing now, unless this is like, I don't know, maybe it is just either misdirect or unintentional shady vibes. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It seems like he's either a spy like for lewdness or for whoever kind of like you mentioned, or maybe, uh, okay. There's a couple like just random things here i guess we'll talk about this first one first if if he is like nefarious and like evil for lack of a better word uh could be working for lewdness i joked in the discord as we were watching that he was clearly uh Pradathos, uh mortal <laughs> avatar <laughs> and like you know he was just coming to spy on the enemies um so i i was joking about that but i was wondering if he could be like an avatar of of something not necessarily pradathos but like a a mortal form of something that was only now just unleashed because of the solstice for whatever reason so you think he might be something supernatural yeah i mean just in the same way that like you know i would call if he was a dog turned human supernatural as well Um, yeah not that he's like literally god you know (laughs) but yeah very interesting so like yeah, I don't know, because because we have the added layer of the solstice being what's happening right here, which could like make so many things, crazy things possible, right? So like, what if he's even like, I don't know, I don't know, like a, a Ray Laura made made human, like a Ray, like one of our weird theories that uh, we talked about in one of these episodes was like, if there are all these Ray Laura, could like the Ruidusborns be like their vessels that Ray Laura are gonna take over? So like, could Vordor be he was like this human, but like he's now possessed for lack of a better word. Um, and like feigning, you know, that he's just this farmer or whatever. There's, there's, go ahead. Uh, I, you go ahead first. I'm just, well, I was just saying, there's, there's clearly something happening, right? Because it's at this point, it's too on the nose. Like the number of times they've tried to get a detail and it's been vague. Mm hmm. Additionally, by Matt's doing, which Matt and Utkarsh have obviously had a conversation about this in some way, like in terms of like backstory and stuff like that. It's so on the nose at this point that it's like something obviously is happening. Yeah. And I think the only answers are he's a dog. He's representing something malicious, and that's why he can't be forthcoming. The third option is maybe he is being true to his naive self. Um, and I think back to the, um, guardian in, um, I can't think of the town in Wildmount, um, but who had been like, frozen. 
Uh, maybe. The Umadara. Beast? The bull? Yeah, 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 the Beast. I think that was his name, Umadara. Something like that. But, but whenever the um, Solstice started, it, it removed certain enchantments. Yeah. So what if he's from the past? What if something happened, you know, he got turned to stone and he didn't even realize it, but point being, he's from forever ago. And the reason we can't ever seem to find anything or anyone is that these places are long abandoned. Like it's yeah. been hundred years or what have you, um, which I think could be equally as compelling, but whether it's that or something malicious, there is clearly something happening. Yeah. Agreed. There, there's gotta be something. And the fact that it's like, I don't know, I don't confidently feel like I can say either way. If it's like, dog meaning something like lighthearted versus sinister um, yeah, dangerous dog but, or dangerous yeah but definitely this episode was like heavily leaning like dangerous um so yeah and i mean it could even be you know like like the the avatar of Pradathos, which was a joke or like a ray laura possession if I can group that into one category of like Bordor's not being forthcoming and it's nefarious, I would say there could also be a not being forthcoming and he's not necessarily nefarious. He's just guarded. Um, similar to like if he was a dog, but I'm not like, like what if he is like plucked from time somewhere and just doesn't know if he can trust yeah. these people or like, you know, the avatar of Ethodoc, you know, one of the gods that, that, uh, those eight that was freed when the moon was drilled into and he like you know just doesn't know i don't really think that's the case either but there's something going on and what i thought was really weird was when um when amy stole something from him which we still don't know what she stole which i think is really right. interesting right he doesn't have much right you know so like I mean, what do you, what do you think? Uh, this isn't my point right now, but while we're here, what do you think she stole? I don't, I don't know if it's so much what she stole as it was her digging for information. Her eyes are set on Bordor like a, yeah. like a, uh, man, we're so bad at analogies, <laughs> <laughs> like a bullseye. Um, <laughs> she's convinced he's lying. Yeah. And she's super so, sus. I, I think what she whispered to Matt was less about a certain item and more like I'm looking for information. I'm mining for information. Like, like she was know. just rooting through his stuff type of right. thing. Right. Yeah. Which, you know, did she steal something? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, she was successful. Obviously she yeah. did. But um, yeah, she's locked in on he's lying. And Emily um, seems to have picked up on the vibe, too, since she was like immediately like, I think I know what you're doing. I help. Yeah. Right. And right. I mean, clearly the cast is there watching the same story that we are and we have these suspicions. But other than those moments, it hadn't really been made too clear that they were suspicious of him. Right. Um, so I'm curious uh, if Laudna, Ashton and Orem have any of these thoughts and they just haven't showed it in the same way. Or if that was kind of a if that was a revelation uh, to them on a meta level, obviously not their characters because they didn't see it, but like. Liam, Marisha, and Tals. I was going to say something happened last episode, but I think I'm just thinking of early this episode. Because I know during the scrying spell, um, when they talked about Border as an option, I think Denise jumped in with like, yeah, if he's even if he even exists, 
Yeah, yeah. You know, like made like an offhand comment. Um, so it's definitely a lot more pointed this episode for sure. And um, now the thing I was originally going to say before I got sidetracked on guessing what she might have stolen was I thought it was so interesting that Matt had to like say, give me a second. And he had to log into something because the whole joke about, uh, well, it wasn't a joke. His Twitter got hacked, so he had to change all his passwords. So he had to like, sorry, I forgot my password. He had to like log into something password protected in order to see if that was successful or not, which to me is like hidden character sheet or referencing something in Bordor's backstory. You know, like clearly it wasn't just a simple role with the information readily available. Like mm-hmm. he had to check something. And uh, so, right. like I said, what is this a hidden character sheet, hidden stats or like, you know, him and Bordor or him and Utkarsh, you know, clearly talked about their backstory, reference something in the notes to see if this would yeah. work um, or maybe to see like what items Bordor actually had that hadn't told like, you know, that he hadn't right. revealed. Um, whatever the case, it's just another tally in the something is obviously going on here. Um, yeah. So I, I don't up until this episode, I was like confident in my flag bearing status for the dog theory. Now I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know what you guys think. I guess. Yeah. I mean, obviously we'll probably get more information tomorrow. Um, I do. But- <clears throat> Sorry. I'm actually looking at my notes now. There was a, so we, we saw his cabin. Um, abandoned i think there there was mention of of leather working tools or tanning tools or something um i don't really know what to make of that i love what you said of like a, of the possibility of if he's plucked out of time or, or even if he's not necessarily like a time traveler but just if like that used to be his home right but it was you know and same with that other house that they attempted to scry on but like so time has passed and it doesn't it's not the way he remembers or whatever um, so I don't, I don't know, I don't have too much to make of the cabin. Um, but the only other thing, or actually two things now that I'm reading this, um, one, the, the pipe moment where he smokes the pipe and has the really innocuous vision of the day before, um, which honestly, yeah. if he was a dog that, that fits that theory. <laughs> but what's really strange to me there is Matt, like, when, when Ukar said, like, I get the pipe, Matt, like, made a point to be like, you know what that does, right? And Ukarsh was like, yeah, you know, I don't care. So I'm wondering if that vision, like, wasn't true. And Matt well, was, like, I, warning him, like, don't, like, if you smoke that, they're, like, something is going to be revealed. Like, do you realize that's what you're doing? What's um, the nature of the item? Which I don't even remember this item. Oh, you don't? Uh, so it was yeah. just, I don't remember, like, when Ashton got it. But the item is like if you smoke it, the smoke then oh, forms your yeah, greatest it, achievement. Yeah, I remember it this episode. Oh. I just mean like I don't remember him getting it, where it came yeah. from. Um, so I don't know the nature of it in the sense of like, can you lie? Is it, you know what I'm saying? Like, which he wasn't asked to do a deception role. But here's what's interesting. If he is evil, wasn't the, the prompt like a memory of something you've done that was heroic or something? It was, I don't remember exactly. It was something to that effect, like greatest achievement, something you're very proud of. Yeah. Okay. Heroic perhaps. Yeah. 
So it's yeah, kind of like semantic wise, I'm like, could you lie and fake it by, well, yeah, all I do is really evil stuff. So yeah, this was, this, I'm proud of this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. And, and there are a lot of ways you could like make it work. Like maybe he was proud of the fact that he's suckered all these people into believing that he's a uh, dunce, you know, yeah. but the fact that Matt like warned him before he did it makes me wonder if Matt knew that like, yeah, you're revealing right. something if you do this, but then, you know, maybe Matt just didn't want to step on his toes and like ruin that reveal in that moment. Like, so instead of Matt being like, well, you need to roll a deception check. He just like, let it yeah. slide, you know? Yeah. Um, but just, yeah, I mean, yeah. I will say whatever the answer is, he has remarkable control over his bodily functions. <laughs> the times <laughs> he has vomited or wet himself. I mean, <laughs> hey, some people could throw up on command though. So that's crazy. But <laughs> yeah, it's another story for another day. <laughs> another, another time. Um, <laughs> and then the one last thing on Bordor is that we know you already mentioned it with um, Denise pressing him for his his address at the end there. Yeah. Um, brings up the Sirius Mountains again, um, which I was just, you know, because all this happened in this episode, I was, you know, putting on my Pepe Silva cap, seeing what I could come up with. And I didn't really, you know, come up with anything really here. Um, but I was just reminding myself what was in that area. Um, and yeah, for the base, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, but in campaign two, uh, for those of you that saw, uh, Isharnai, the hag, is from around that area. So I don't Hags think are mysterious and deceptive. Yeah. So I don't, Why I'm not nature? saying, I'm not saying Bordor is the hag at all, but you know, she, she put curses on people. A lot of stuff could be happening. Like maybe that's why he doesn't have his memory. Um, you know, maybe he was cursed and like petrified, like you said, or any number of situations that the solstice then freed him. Um, interesting, but yeah, just, it was, it was a little food for thought when I remembered that that was the part of town she was in as well. Um, but yeah, that's, that's all I got on our, our mysterious friend, our our honored friend. Yeah, (laughs) indeed. (laughs) Okay. Um, let's move on. Um, I think it's interesting. This area or this travel time that Matt, that Eidolons weren't, wasn't like a euphemism or like a generic um, phrasing, but that this word keeps coming up. Like this is clearly a categorizer of yeah. these spirits in some way. We had the dream or not the dream, uh, the watch that Orm had when people were sleeping with like right. the fairies or the spirits um, we have the actual wind cougar itself, obviously. And I feel like there was something else too that where Matt talked about the idolons and idolons in some way. Um, oh, oh, the cave, the cave, the script is in primordial, right? Interestingly enough. Um, so not really much to say about it, I guess, other than just I think it's very interesting this theme of the primordials what's left of the Titans we got in the previous episode that like their children or like, uh, I think it was like memories of them or like their essences or something. Yeah, like they're, they're echo, the echoes of them. Echoes. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So 
And I even wonder what that hill could have been. Could that hill have been a very large Eidolon or something? Yeah. Um, let me I'll respond to this in two parts. To the, to the first thing you were saying, I'm with you because like it kind of partially felt like maybe that it was just like a, a semantics thing, a cultural thing. Like instead of elementals, these yeah. people say Eidolons, which I'm still not sure if I'm like confident in that delineation or not. Like if those are separate things, because I mean, clearly I think they are synonymous, synonymous in at least some respect. Um, mm-hmm. But it is interesting how much of a, of a point that's been made mm-hmm. to keep bringing them up. Like you said, in that way. Um, so I too like noted that and was thinking about that. Uh, but the hill clearly something disguised, illusory magic. Um, but the way, the way Matt like conceded after the fact that, ah, it's a cool encounter that's never going to see the light of day kind of dispelled some of the mystery for me in that, like, oh, this was, I think just like a travel encounter and not like a cog in a greater mystery necessarily. I guess both could be true. Um, but especially just the the way he said that made it seem like, okay, that's we're past that now. Like, you know, that's never going to see the light of day. Um, so I don't think it was not, not that you were saying this, but I don't think it was like, you know, a hidden Titan or like a grand Eidolon or something. Yeah. Uh, but I am very curious what it was. Uh, and I guess not this, I guess it doesn't have to be something hill sized for the illusion to be a hill, but presumably it is something large. I mean, I Um, want to see what kind of creature it was. Cause I think the fact that it's in front of the cavern, I think guardian of some kind. So for me, yeah. though I didn't expect like, Oh, we just missed like the, the, the linchpin in this whole theory. Right. Yeah. I, I would have been nice. I don't have an issue that they've stuck past it, but it would have been informative of the kind of company these Eidolons keep, I guess. Um, yeah. But I think hats off to Matt of like, you know, yeah, you guys snuck on by. It just is what it is. Um, despite your queefing and everything, you know, like <laughs> you snuck on by, you made it past, um, which is, you know, I think another reason why he's a great DM, but you know, maybe we'll see at some point, maybe on their way out, they joked about on the way out, like taking more gems. Um, so if they go out the way they came, maybe they'll, they'll come across it again. Yeah. And, uh, Speaking of the the queefing, you might have, I mean, they pretty much said it, but to give you some context, there was a moment in campaign two where Matt misspoke and it broke the table for like 10 minutes. I actually uh, edited a, a video of, of that happening and then what happened in this past episode. Uh, you should check it out because it's hilarious. It's really um, disappointing because I was cutting this episode, that part. Really? Or a short. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you should still do it. I because- didn't know. I didn't know there was another, it was a reference to something else. Yeah. I just thought it was great. I mean, you know, especially like when Matt tried to get the table back and then I think it was Border or whoever kept laughing and he was like, what? And then he was like, you know, all right, roll for initiative. Yeah. <laughs> like, <we're done." laughs> uh, but, but yeah, you should, you should still do it because my video is like nine minutes. So I, I couldn't oh, okay. uh, okay, cool. make a short yeah, out of it. Mine's a short. So, um, uh, Sorry, I lost my train of thought. The but back to the the hill monster. I think 
logically, like it's not just some random beast. Like it was deliberately elused. I keep like wanting to use a word there. I don't know what word I'm looking for. Disguised, I guess. Um, so, and we know this is Hevestro's place. Um, so I'm assuming it's, it's some form of arch druid guardian, you know? Um, so mm. maybe it is some sort of Eidolon, uh, or elemental or beast or something. Um, but that's my best guess. Like, like you mentioned, just some sort of guardian for this place. Um, and I don't want to dive into everything that's happening at the end of the episode yet. But what's curious is that like, clearly something happened here. And it's just interesting that this thing would still be asleep or just, yeah. you know, undisturbed well, um, unless it is mad. Like it was like magically put to sleep or something. Um, but I just thought that was curious. Maybe it's there because similar to. Sorry. Umadara, Umara, Umadara. I think that might be yeah. wrong. Um, similarly, maybe it was like permanently, a, you know, whatever. And then again, with the solstice, it came awake and it, you know, it's just been chilling out since like when's mom that, and dad coming home. <laughs> that is interesting. Actually. But it, I think it also works that it's keeping watch in the sense of the inscription within the verdant tomb. She sleeps. She's kept. I, I keep forgetting this. Um, um, within the verdant tomb, we keep her spirit yeah. enduring. So I mean, I mean, this is the verdant tomb, right? I mean, isn't that the implication? I think so. The like the cavern, yeah. Yeah. So you know, keeping, even though it seems to be abandoned, or at least the details are very fuzzy on when the last person was there, and then presumably whoever's at the end, um, whether that's Sefesto or whatever the name is. Um, but presumably this creature is guarding the verdant tomb. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair that, you know, it was a defense mechanism of some sort. Um, that's my take as well. So, all right. Okay. I want to jump into that stuff, but before we get there, um, I want to hit a couple of smaller things. Cause I feel like that's the last, big juicy thing to kind of dive into. Um, So quickly, those smaller things. Um, One, uh, our next, our next point in the saga of will they, won't they Ladna Imogen. I I knew you were talking about this. We got got some interesting stuff, man. People were freaking out on the socials. You know, they were very upset by the phrasing here. We got, she referred to her as sister from another mister and right. then like described them. Well, specifically the borderers question of, it seemed like this person was more important. So it seems like an easy tee up to, yeah, we're something special, I guess, you know, but yeah, yeah keep going though. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Well, yeah, basically what you're saying, but explicitly like saying sister is kind of like right. a hard delineation. Um, not that it can't be, worked around or, or broken through relationship wise as it were. But yeah, she says sister from another mister. And then I don't remember the other thing, but she like said best friends, basically something to that effect. Yeah. Um, which, you know, we've talked about this multiple times. Um, I thought 
duh, you'd have to be an idiot not to think that they were, you know, romantically inclined. But then as I of late, feel justice for myself <laughs> early on when I was like, I'm pretty sure they're just friends. And you were like, oh, buddy, buddy. <laughs> I was like, right, guys? Yeah. I mean, so as of recently, I'm trying to remember the other. I don't want to dive into it. We spoke at it at length back when it happened, but there was something else quasi recently that, that made us have this conversation again about like, well, maybe they are just like platonic, like soulmates in a way, you know, like, um, aromantic. Uh, so th this seemingly is another tally in that column. Mm. Um, not that it is definitively that though, like it could just be that Laudna hasn't come to terms with her true feelings for Imogen, or she just is not ready to, tell the stranger about it um well and i can see that being the case and even like her and and laura bailey like maybe they've agreed to have that moment together at the table and so you know maybe playing coy is like hey we want to protect kind of how we envision this moment um but i also like the other the other um thing you just said of i think i think it is just as as just a beautiful, just as I can't talk, man. It's just as beautiful in my mind. If it is this deep soulmate connection, even if it isn't necessarily romantic. Yeah. Um, and I think honestly, it, to me, to me, it like creates more depth in the story because not only are you kind of constantly wondering like what's going on here, but to me, it kind of makes it, it continues to communicate this. Um, what was the expression they used when they were talking about, like if they were ever like, if they were ever separated or I don't remember the expression or what they were even talking about, but yeah, like you're like, said, like, you're my we, tether. Yeah. And like we transcend. Yeah. Like this, this reality in the next or something. Incredible line. Yeah. And for me, um, it's compelling it being romantic, but it's just as compelling it going beyond romance or infatuation or whatever to this thing that is so deeply tied to one another. I can't even, I can't even describe it, I guess. It's just, um, all, I guess, I guess what I'm getting at is it doesn't frustrate. And I know you weren't saying this for yourself, but it doesn't frustrate me that we can't get a clear answer on it. For me, it's like, there is such a depth to this relationship that you can't just, we're blank. We're this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> no, no, I, I like what you said. I mean, at the end of the day, they, they deeply love one another. It's just, yeah. we, we haven't figured out and maybe they haven't figured it out. I think they haven't yeah. honestly. Um, but for the people that were gloom and doing like about to, you know, <laughs> just quit the show. If, if oh they're gosh, not a thing anymore, right? like on, th guys. those people need to calm down. Um, I, don't, I don't really usually follow the social and the stuff, but I mean, come on. Yeah. But <laughs> I will say, wasn't there something in campaign two or something where like, and I didn't watch campaign two. I just said, I didn't follow the socials, but I remember reading something or maybe you shared something with me. Um, Cause I know you watched all of campaign two, but wasn't there something like where the fan base got so into what a relationship should have been. And like when it didn't characterize that way, they were really upset about it or something. Or... Yeah. I mean, you know, take, take any aspect of the show and you're going to have some people that are, you know, upset yeah. about it. But yeah, there were a couple instances like that with like certain ships that, yeah. okay. that people wanted to happen. Um, 
I, I won't go into it because you know yeah, for anybody okay. out there that doesn't want the spoilers but but yes uh that definitely happened um, all i have to say so nothing new then yeah yeah <laughs> Um, but so, you know, I wanted to, since this is a recurring thing we've talked about, I wanted to bring it up and, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see how this develops. I think obviously it could go any way still. Um, but definitely seems more of a, an aromantic thing for now. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we'll see. And, and on that, I know we kind of left Bordor in the past, but this reminded me also super fishy that not once, but twice he asks, how strong are your friends? which is like some op research as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> you know, like he then kind of like tried to save it by being like, so you think we can beat a God? But I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was kind of strange. He asked once, but when he asked again, I was like, what, what are you doing, bro? So yeah, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> don't know. Um, yeah. all right. Then the other small thing I wanted to jump in real quick. Um, was this crater that they found while they were traveling. Um, yeah. I didn't know this race, by the way, that was mentioned. Have we heard this before? Um, we, we have in critical role. I don't know if we've heard it this campaign. Um, and they live like in the astral sea or yeah, they're like, you? they're like kind of space pirates in a way. The, the gith are, so there's um, the gith Zerai, which is what, the skull that they found. And then there's the Gith Yankee um, and the Gith Yankee. And y'all forgive me if I'm butchering pronunciations or getting the details a bit fuzzy, but they, yeah, they're like, at least in the, in the wizards of the coast five E canon, which obviously yeah. we, like anything could be different. Um, they're like space pirates essentially. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Okay. I was wondering if this were the Gith and it, it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a main character from the new Baldur's gate. Who's a geth. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, one, I just thought it was really cool and y'all in the comments, let me know if I'm mistaken here, but I think this is the first time there's ever been like a travel boon. Like, you know, they roll for travel. If they roll bad, like you roll a natural one. Matt's like, okay, roll a D six. And there's like an encounter table or like, you know, some sort of negative affects table. Uh, this is the first time I can recall that Matt had a D6 roll after a nat 20. So AKA like a, a mm -hmm. good table to roll on. Um, and that's what led to this. So that makes it even that much more interesting uh, to me. Clearly they got this, they got the ring out of it. So you could ultimately say this was all just window dressing for the magic item that he ultimately gave them. Um, but knowing Matt, knowing this world, this story, like it's more than just window dressing. Like there's, there's a reason it was a gift. There's a reason, you know? Um, so I, I, it's interesting that Matt didn't, um, I feel like there's other races that Matt has kind of put like the EXU, um, version of that race. Um, like I think about, um, Oh, I can't think of it. Ice, ice for or um, oh the the use for the i know what you're talking about like, the bird instead like, people instead of like arakoa mm -hmm. you know like his yeah. own version of it um so i was surprised that it was the like typical forgotten realms wizards of the coast race yeah uh, not much to say about it i guess other than just like hmm, that's interesting yeah that and is the interesting other, the other thought i had too was um what kind 
of content has happened in, in EXU regarding the astral plane, the astral sea, I guess. Because the only other association I had was um, Calamity and uh, Xerxes's griffin and, um, oh gosh, what's his name? Who was stuck in the astral sea or something like that, I think? Or wasn't that the astral sea? Um, are you talking about Xerxes's husband? Husband, yeah. Yeah. The, there was the astral layrite, which was like the device. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if he was like he died. I'm pretty sure, right? Or like his soul was trapped or something. He faded away. I think was yeah. the expression. So I don't know if he was like. I can't remember the details on if he was like trapped or his essence was trapped there or something. But um, but yeah. And when you say EXU, I'm just you just mean Critical Role as a whole, not like specifically the EXU yeah. sagas. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there, I mean, there's been a couple of of instances of Astral Sea content. Um, nothing like, nothing major, major, where like long periods of time were spent there or anything. Um, but it does have some precedent. And then the Gith has come up, I think, twice ever across all three campaigns. Um, there was an instance in campaign one and then there was an instance in one of the one shots, one of the campaign one one shots. Two of them, basically. Um, I don't think they ever came up in campaign two. And these are like a space race, if if I can say that, which I think is just really interesting that he puts it front and center right now, with especially with the whole ruidous thing happening, like. We talked about it earlier in the campaign. Like, could we get spell jammers? Could, could yeah. Bell's Hells leave Exandria and, you know, go, go space traveling. Um, not saying we're going to get that for sure, but I think this is a very like hard domino in the sure. line to, to present so freely um, that I think it's a, a hint that, that this could be coming. Um, so there's just that aspect of it, which is really interesting uh, but then to actually dissect like what was happening here, um, there's a crater with the Gith skeleton in it that asteroid, I mean, comet, meteor, like seemingly um, was this thing. Oh, yeah. The interesting thing Matt said was that this was a punishment like they learned that in the investigation check. So what does that mean? Was this person like strapped to this asteroid and banished and to a fiery yeah. death? Um, Yikes. Imprisoned in this thing. Um, it, it makes me wonder why, but I don't know if that's that important to the story. Um, but I think, I think it's just curious and, and a, again, a hint that we could be headed toward more of a wider campaign in that regard. Um, the only other thing I found interesting was the ring, uh, which obviously Matt made a comment about like this should have like this mortal should have died. Uh, I think the ring was the answer to why they didn't because it like rebukes some fire damage. Um, so that that was. Did you take it to be the same or were you yeah. thinking there's something? OK, yeah, no, I thought it was a nice kind of like lower detail for sure. So I took it as that. And then the only other thing, which this may be me diving too deep in it. Um, 
was the the ring itself was described as uh, hematite. I'm probably butchering that, but they're a metal that was called something yeah. to that effect. Um, but then when Matt, like when they identified it, uh, he said hematite like, um, as in not explicitly hematite. Uh, and so I Googled hematite again. I'm, I hope I'm, I'm probably saying the wrong thing, uh, but it's called that because of it. It's got a blood red color. So this ring is red. Um, which made me think of Ruidus no, and Ruidium. No. <laughs> you think so? Like, what if the ring was made out of Ruidium? That's all I'm saying. I don't know what that means necessarily, but yeah. it could just be another connection. Um, and I did think it was interesting that Prism at least believed this to be old, like a couple hundred of years old, maybe. Um, mm. Which makes me just wonder, like... I mean, maybe it's maybe it has nothing to do with maybe it's not Ruidium. Maybe it has nothing to do with what's going on. And they're just the first mortals to stumble upon this in a couple hundred years. Um, But I'm wondering if because of the solstice, like maybe even though it is old, it kind of just happened in a way like not. I don't know what I'm saying there, but like maybe because the solstice is the only reason they were able to find this right now. Mm. Um, That's interesting. So, yeah, I. I don't know. I just. It's an interesting find, this this gith Zerai. So I'm just curious to see where where the campaign goes from here. We already, I mean, we already speculated they might be going to space, but this like almost made it seem like a certainty to me. If, this if not campaign three, like campaign four for sure. It definitely felt like a signal for sure. Agreed. So. All right. What you guys think? Yeah, know. please do, because uh, I thought that was one of the most interesting things uh, in this episode to me. Um, but other than that, I just got the, the stuff at the end, unless you got anything else you want to No, Yeah. Yeah. Let's jump into the, the last big piece. Okay. I'm I'm probably going to ramble here. So just stop me or jump in whenever. But the way I take this is we're going to see Hivestro. Presumably this is Hivestro's place. I mean, it almost certainly is. Um, they come inside. There's the, the primordial writing, um, and the, we've we've forgotten this like three times, and I have to look it up again. But the little inscription about like in the verdant tomb, her spirit resides. <laughs> uh, yeah, we keep her spirit enduring. Yeah. Um, so to me, Havestro is the archdruid. Like, and just for the sake of conversation, I'm going to call this like the sect of of the verdant tomb. Like, clearly, that's like the order. It, even if it's not an, an order, you know what I mean? Like clearly Havestro is part of this Verdant tomb shenanigans, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, Hierophant of the Emerald dream. Yeah. Okay. Um, which Emerald dream. Well, isn't that from a uh, while? Emerald tree. Sorry. Oh, Oh yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's written in primordial, which is akin to, to all the Eidolon elemental Titan stuff we've been talking about. And we know that Hevestro was Abadina's mentor and we know she's all in on this stuff. So presumably yeah. Hevestro also is he's team yeah. Eidolons. Yeah. Um, and whatever, whoever she is that's in the Verdant tomb, this order is clearly like dedicated to preserving her, whatever that means. Yeah. 
So the she in question for my money is some sort of great Eidolon, spirit, elemental, titan, whatever you want to call it. Reminds me also because kind of calls back to the the hidden titan from Ludinus's notes. Could be one and the same, but we were we were kind of confused on the blurred lines if if those were even in the same realm, but could be. Um so anyway, they walk in. There's like a whole like commune here, right? There's like a bunch yeah. of rooms, fire yeah. pits, um, but it was empty. Yeah. It was right. weird. And then they go further in and they find the actual obelisk, um, yeah. the green obelisk surrounded by all the residuum. That's maybe not residuum, whatever. Um, surrounded by the not residuum residuum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the really interesting thing was there were also like runic carvings and ritualistic yeah. inscriptions over the room that were recent. Yeah. As um, I say, that was a detail that I wasn't sure about. Yeah. That like something was added later or something. It was the impression that the obelisk had also been added or. I don't think so. I think that, okay. I think so that's always, yeah. Always been there, but the runic carvings were newer. Yeah. Uh, Cause Matt said there was like preparing for some sort of ritual, which I think we can put two and two together Hivestro, or at least, you know, probably Hivestro personally, but at least this these people that lived here were preparing a ritual to utilize the apogee solstice. Hundred um, percent, yeah. Which, again, I think if we can put two and two together, whoever she is that they're keeping enduring, for my money, it's we're using the apogee solstice to free her or bring her back or whatever it the you know specifics might be. Um. So that, for my money, is what was going on. They were trying to use the solstice to do some big thing in that regard. But here we are with everyone missing and um, the obelisk, which Matt describes as having like a shadow in the middle that looked like a humanoid form. And then Orem looks up and in the residuum crystal sees a face. So <clears throat> we're past the solstice now. So the ritual was presumably attempted. Um so this figure that was in the obelisk is now free, but it's still at least contained within this residuum around, or maybe it's not contained, but it's just there for the time being, um, maybe of its own will, or maybe it is contained there for lack of a better word. Um, but it seems to be free of the obelisk for my money. Um, and it smiled. So to me, it, it's not like, help Havestro. I, I got myself trapped in here. Like, yeah. I don't think he would be smiling. Um, yeah. nor if it were the, she that's trapped and they were still trapped. I don't think yeah. they would be smiling. Um, so I, but where is everyone else? Like, did they all get consumed in this ritual? Uh, I don't know. And plus there's the whole aspect of, we got the showcase of how the little, not residuum residuum like shotgun to spell like does the fact that this place is covered in those things have an a a, a role to play in what's going on here too i know yeah, i didn't that was just a bunch of word salad but the, no, that's like my uh, thoughts no, on everything that was going on so there. i had the same process of putting two and two together in that this was a a a titan primordial whatever the echo of one, the remains of one, whatever that had been 
kept here, whether forcefully or not, and that Havestro and, you know, his commune, commune had done something during the Apogee Solstice to free her and seems to have been successful, I think, I don't know, or partially successful, um, which is very fascinating. It also ties into the tiny detail we got from Keyleth whenever they first met her at Whitestone or uh, prior to Whitestone, I guess, where it was like, yeah, I'm busy with all these other people who are trying to take advantage of the Apogee Solstice. So we know there's some... Um, I can't think of the phrasing. This isn't the first time we've heard of another group trying to utilize the Apogee Solstice. In fact, it makes sense. Right. Not to take us too off track, but just to pause for a second. It did make me wonder if the Hishari cult tried something similar. Yes. Um, that they tried to awaken, unlock, free, whatever the phrasing is, some kind of primordial an echo of a Titan and either it wasn't an Apogee solstice. So they weren't fully able to do it or they simply weren't strong enough or they did it the right way. What have you, who knows? And it was total chaos as a result. Um, Maybe this group did what they could not do and they were successful. And, and, but similar to Ashton saying that like it was a bloodbath or whatever the phrasing was, Maybe there is a cost to this ritual. And maybe, like you said, that's why everyone's missing. Maybe they swap places. I don't know. Um, yeah, but. I'm with you. I was going to s- bring up the same thing that I think, you know, we've talked about how, in addition to the overarching story, it would make a lot of sense if we also had like a character specific kind of story arc during this group's saga. And it really, everything points to Ashton. Um, I mean, this could even be the exact same ritual that his parents and his people did perform. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I, it, it would also explain some things with Ashton, including why Ashton can speak primordial, which, I mean, obviously you make a character, you can pick whatever languages you want. Um, but that would slot in very nicely is that, you know, the reason he can is because he's very deeply entrenched. In yeah. Well, and these I, things. I didn't think this originally, but I like what you just said about, could this have been the very same ritual? Because we know also from Ashton that he wasn't always a earth, an earth genasi, right? That he became this. Um, and where are they now? They're in a cavern, surrounded by rocks i mean i don't know there's some really similar details there 100 percent. and verdant tree ashton is green <laughs> you know like sure. that's kind of a dumb comparison but i i think it it makes a lot of sense and uh i we know the yeah i don't know i'm, I'm just I'm in ramble territory, but yeah, we're on the, we're on the same page. I think definitely this is, if not directly tied to Ashton in the sense that this was the same place, same ritual they tried. It's at least something very, very similar is what his parents were attempting to do. Um, which again, not that we have to get an Ashton mini arc with this group, but if we are like, it's got to kind of start soon. 
Uh, because yeah. if we're going to get the same amount of episodes, we're already over halfway done with this group. How many was this one? Was this three or four? This was four. Man, um, this this group has gone by fast for me. Yeah, it really has for me as well. Um, so, which, you know, for all we know, they're going to get Sorry. more episodes. Um, yeah, I think it was seven with the first yeah, one. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, interesting. But so, yeah, I really interested to see like if we do meet Hivestro or any of or any of these people like if if they're wearing that the head guard the headdress that you know Ashton has or whatever um but yeah I, <clears throat> whoever this this is in here I'm just very they seem free but it's interesting that they've they've stuck around or if if mm-hmm. or they're still tied to this place in some way or fashion right um and yeah, the smile was just creepy. So like, I don't think it like it doesn't seem like this is going to be like a pleasant encounter. Maybe it could, it still could be, but it seems like we're at like a roll initiative type of moment. Um, so I know, I know, uh, some people were tossing around Delilah Briarwood, which I think is is interesting, and it it ties into Laudna, but it just doesn't seem like the place it doesn't seem like it really adds up for me personally is it just the residuum is that why because otherwise i don't see any tie to delilah just the like we keep her enduring and like delilah is a a woman and you know kind of okay actually i, I don't hate that i mean <sighs> keep her spirit enduring um and it's a tr- the emerald tree think of the white stone tree seems to be tied to Delilah's um, upside down realm um, residuum as an artifact from where she died the first time, I guess. Um, I don't hate that. It does feel a little cloudy. It kind of, for me, it kind of infringes on a really cool opportunity with Ashton though. Yeah. I mean, there's an argument to be made for it. Sure. But for me, I I don't think it makes I don't think it really fits. Um, yeah, but you know, it, it could be the case. Um, on the on the not residuum residuum, there is. <clears throat> we were talking about this in the Discord when it was happening uh, during the episode, uh, and so I went and refreshed myself on kind of how where, where residuum came from, and it obviously comes from Whitestone. It's refined from it, but why Whitestone? And so that's what I. Uh, refreshed myself on and it's because back during the calamity uh there was a battle between uh the dawn father and thera's dune so you know prime deity betrayer god battle and at now in the aftermath of the site of that battle like there's white stone so like the connection to me was like god blood was spilled and you know poured into the earth and that kind of that residuum you know is the, the final product of that so since hmm. Matt kind of differentiated this crystal from residuum somewhat, um, you know, since residuum's processed and this is raw, um, I was thinking maybe this is similar, but not the exact same thing. Maybe this is Titan blood or, you know, primordial blood that was, you know, yeah. spilled eons ago that now manifests in this way, um, which that could be, completely wrong but at least i feel like that kind of makes sense um and for why it would be 
this area that they are trying to keep the yeah. spirit to endure because this was the site of where it fell or something. Um, not too much more to say on it, but uh, just thought it was, I thought it was very interesting. And I really am curious if this will be utilized either in this battle or in the future, if they take some with them, because um, it, if I recall correctly, when she cast the spell into it, it like split it up, but it weakened it. Right. So it's not like just an OP, like this makes you more powerful. It's, it's right. utility. And I think it could be used like in really cool ways. Uh, not that I have any examples off top, but you know, especially with the savant, Emily Axford, as we've seen the, the combat genius, uh, the likes of which we haven't seen since Sir Colin Provolone, uh, <laughs> You know, I just, I want to see it used in cool ways. Um, yeah. That's cool. But yeah. Yeah. Let, let us know what you guys think. I feel like this was definitely like a very like meaty section with some pretty cool implications. So we'd love to know what you guys think about it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Anything else from this episode? Uh, No other. Just looked at my notes. We, Bordor's brother's name is Jesper. Don't have anything to say about it, but interesting. But yeah, no, yeah. We, we covered everything I wanted to. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, guys, um, I guess that does it for us. Uh we need to do a quick thumbnail, don't we? Oh yeah. Um I think a little it's a little suspicion for our man Bordor. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like we're being kind of like, what's going on with Bordor? Uh, all right, yeah. I'll do a little of this action. beautiful 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 well you can follow us on the socials at the pixelus yeah i think the pixelus on twitter we're on tiktok at just pixelists um i feel like i'm forgetting one but youtube you're already there probably though yeah. Uh, yeah. And we are on all the podcast platforms so don't forget to check us out there if you need a little car tunage or you know maybe a little workout tunage i don't know why i keep saying tunage uh but yeah, let it go, man. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, you're right. You're right. Oh, and uh, I always forget to mention this at the start of the episode, but tomorrow's Thursday, so don't forget we got a Discord. We'll be live chatting along during the episode. Would love for you to join us. And that's all yep. I got, my friend. All right, we'll catch you guys later. Alrighty, y'all.